Good morning, everyone. It's great to see everybody here. If you have your Bible, open it up, please, to Joshua chapter 10. Trying to figure out where certain people are. We usually have our certain seats, and everybody's all over in different places now. So thank you for being here. We had six or seven weeks of beautiful weather outside, and obviously we had to uh, make an adjustment today with the with the services at 9 o'clock, but we're so thankful that God has blessed us with, with rain. We're thankful that we have another opportunity to gather together to worship God. We have visitors here with us. Thank you for being here. Look forward to studying with you in the future and to continue to grow in our faith. And that's what it's all about. We continue to stay focused on our Savior, Jesus Christ. So may God bless each and every one of you. And to all the fathers, uh, happy Father's Day. I'm so thankful for all the godly men that are a part of this congregation that provide such a great example to me and to so many other individuals as well as we and as you strive to lead your children in the paths of righteousness and your family as we all strive to make it to heaven. So God bless each and every one of you as well. Maybe I'll try to do that sermon that I had planned for nine o'clock next next Sunday. We'll see what we'll see what happens. Well, it's one of the most amazing battles that we read about in the Bible. If you have your Bible, open it up to Joshua chapter 10. Joshua is one of my favorite men that we read about. And you think about fathers, Joshua was, was a, a mighty man, a mighty warrior. He was also a, a great father. He was considering his family and he would think about his family as he lived his life and making sure that they would make it to the promised land and that they would remain faithful to God. In Joshua chapter 10, we pick up the story where the Israelites are making their way to the promised land. Remember, God had made these great promises going back to Abraham. The Israelites, though, they were, they were not strong in their faith. And as a result of that, they would spend 40 years in the wilderness. But a new leader would arise, Joshua. And God would tell him to be strong and courageous. And he would begin to lead the nation of Israel. They would cross the chilly Jordan River. They would defeat Jericho, the city of Jericho, and other, other mighty cities and kings like, like Ai. And now in Joshua chapter 10, we pick up the story where the Bible says, Now it came about when Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, heard that Joshua had captured Ai and had utterly destroyed it, just as he had done to Jericho and its king. So he had done to Ai and its king, and that the inhabitants of Gibeon had made peace with Israel and were within their land. News about the success of God's people is spreading. That he feared greatly because Gibeon was a great city, like one of the royal cities, and because it was greater than Ai, and all its men were mighty. And so this king is going to send word to to other kings, saying in verse 4, Come up to me and help me, and let us attack Gibeon, for it has made peace with Joshua and with the sons of Israel. So the five kings, the Amorites and the king of Jerusalem and these other, these other kings, they went up and camped by Gibeon and fought against it. Verse number six. Then the men of Gibeon sent word to Joshua to the camp at Gilgal saying, do not abandon your servants. Come up to us quickly and save us and help us for all the kings of the Amorites that live in the hill country have assembled against us. Now watch this. We see a man of great faith. So Joshua went up from Gilgal, he and all the people of war with him, and all the valiant warriors. So think about Joshua and these other mighty men. These are mighty, faithful men of God. 
And they're going to go up. And now God is going to speak in verse number 8. The Lord said to Joshua, do not fear them. For I have given them into your hands. Not one of them shall stand before you. So Joshua came upon them suddenly by marching all night from Gilgal. Nothing's going to get in their way. They're going to be victorious. And the Lord confounded them before Israel, and he slew them with a great slaughter at Gibeon and pursued them by the way of the ascent of Beth Horon and struck them as far as Ezekiah and Matada. As they fled from the, before Israel, while they were at the descent of Beth Horon, the Lord threw large stones from heaven on them. And there were more who died from the hailstones than those whom the sons of Israel killed with the sword. Isn't that amazing? But the story gets even more amazing because we see God fighting on behalf of his people, but we also see something else. We see faith, great faith, by this man named Joshua. In verse number 12, Then Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the sons of Israel, and he said in the sight of Israel, O son Stand still at Gibeon, and O moon in the valley of Ajalon. So the sun stood still, and the moon stopped until the nation avenged themselves of their enemies. You talk about praying for something big, petitioning God for something big. The sun stood still. Think about that. The moon stood still, and Joshua had enough faith to pray to God to ask that God would do this on behalf of the people. And verse 13, I'm sorry, yeah, verse 13. So the sun stood still and the moon stopped until the nation avenged themselves of their enemies. Is it not written in the book of Jasher? And the sun stopped in the middle of the sky. Think about that. The sun stopped in the middle of the sky and did not hasten to go down for about a whole day. There was no day like that before it or after it when the Lord listened to the voice of a man, for the Lord fought for Israel. Then Joshua and all Israel returned, with him returned to the camp to Gilgal. Don't you just love that story? It's a powerful story, isn't it? It's a story of God and demonstrating his faithfulness to his people. How many times have we seen this, studying in the book of Genesis, the faithfulness of God God telling his people to trust in me. Now God doing the same thing to Joshua. He already told him, do not fear. Be strong and courageous in Joshua chapter 1. Remember that? But he's going to have to continue to remind him. And that's, that's because when these battles continue to come, men need to be reminded about the power of God. God demonstrated his faithfulness with the hell destroying so many of those soldiers. And now the sun standing still and the moon standing still for about a day. We see the power of God and we see the faithfulness of Joshua. You know, when I think about this story with Joshua, Joshua, no doubt, and those other valiant men, they, they, those valiant warriors, they, they no doubt put on that physical armor, whatever they had as they went into battle. But I see another piece of armor that Joshua had as well. I see an armor, uh, a shield of faith, a, a, a shield of faith, great faith that he had to trust in what God said and to go out as God told him to go out. And to have enough faith to ask God to stop the sun and the moon. I say all of this because in our Bible reading in Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to wrap up the book of Ephesians this week, Lord willing. In Ephesians chapter 6, we are reminded about the fact that we are in a battle. 
Joshua and so many others, they were in battles against other nations, against other kings. Brothers and sisters, we are in a battle, not against nations and kings and people, but against spiritual forces, wicked, dark forces, the evil one, as Paul would remind the saints. We talked about last week how we need to be reminded where we sit. We are seated in the heavenly places in Christ. And we are to walk in a certain way and we are to stand firm because our strength comes from the same God that moved on behalf of Joshua. As you get to the end of Ephesians chapter 6, you can just feel the intensity of Paul increasing. As he starts off in verse number 10, he said, Finally, be strong in, in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God. You hear that? We have some armor that we need to be wearing too. Put on the full armor of God. He doesn't say it once. He says it twice. Put on the full armor of God so that you'll be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Stand because there is one who has schemes that are he's trying to destroy us. Paul would say our struggle for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Take note of that. We are going to be in a struggle. We are in a battle. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the wicked, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness and the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you'll be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. He reminded the saints, and we need to be reminded as well. And as he spoke about taking up the full armor of God, I want you to notice in verse number 16, where Paul said, in addition to all, taking up the shield of faith, with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. I want us to focus on that particular element as we think about the armor of God. Make no mistake about it, we must take up the full armor of God. We must take up the full armor of God, and we must especially take up our shield of faith. And you know what? After we take up the armor of God, after we take up our shield of faith, we've got to make sure that we do something. We've got to make sure that we don't drop our shield. We've got to make sure that we remain faithful, that we remain confident and trusting in God. Don't drop your shield. You know, you think about these stories that we read about in the Old Testament, like Joshua and others. These are not just stories for VBS. While they're important, and while we need to teach our children about these, these are stories that should give us great confidence in who our God is. And it's a reminder for us to keep our shield of faith held tightly because we're going to need it. Did you see what Paul said again in verse 16? In addition to all taking up the shield of faith with which you'll be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows. You hear that? The devil is shooting arrows at us. It's not just one. You did pick up on that, right? It's not just one arrow every once in a while, but flaming arrows of the evil one. And we can extinguish them with the shield of faith. Our strength is not found in ourselves. It's found only in God. The strength that Joshua had to defeat those enemies as they took the land, it wasn't in him. It was in God. It was God who was fighting on behalf of those people. And our strength to be successful in this spiritual battle is only going to be found in God, the full armor of God. All of this armor is connected to God's word. We need to be reminded about God and his power and make sure that we don't drop our shield. Because if we do, we are doomed. If we drop our shield and we get tired, and that's exactly what the devil wants us to do. He wants us to get tired. He wants us to get frustrated. He wants us to become overwhelmed. 
where we just slowly loosen that grip. And then before you know it, we're getting hit all over the place. Don't drop your shield. And I want to show you how important this is. I want you to know that it's possible to stand firm. It's possible to resist the evil one. It's possible to be victorious, not because of who you are, who I am, but all because of Christ. Go back to Joshua, please. You remember back in Joshua chapter 1. Go back to Joshua chapter 1. You remember God. Let us have a couple of thoughts this morning. Got to get used to the slides again. Haven't done this in a long time, right? They went somewhere. We'll see what happens. But uh, you remember in Joshua chapter 1, there they are, that, that God would tell Joshua to be to remain uh, trusting in him, to not go to the left and not go to the right. And what we see here is that Joshua, you know, when he was uh, being mentored by Moses, he took up his shield of faith a long time before the land was ever going to be conquered. In Joshua chapter 1, you remember, Joshua is now is in this position of leadership. He had taken up his shield of faith a long time ago. He was one of the 12 that was sent out into the promised land to spy on the land. And he came back after 40 days with a good report. He was holding on to his shield of faith. He came back confident knowing that God would help them to take the land. But he's going to be delayed for 40 years because the majority of the Israelites, they all dropped their shields. And as a result of that, they're all just going to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. And Joshua's going to, he's going to be right there with them. But he kept holding on to his shield. He took it up and he didn't let it go. And now in Joshua chapter 1, God's going to re- encourage him again. He says, be strong and courageous. For you shall give this people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left so that you may have success wherever you go. That is what success is going to look like. That's the kind of success that we need to go after, right? Success in the eyes of God, being faithful to God, staying on that path that God wants us to stay on. And that's what Joshua would do, crossing the Jordan, defeating the city of Jericho, defeating these other kings all along the way. And when we get to the end of his life, before he says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, he said something else really big too. He's going to talk to the people in Joshua chapter 23. Look at Joshua chapter 23. He's old and he knows that he doesn't have much time left and he's willing to admit that his days are now short, but he wants to remind that generation. He wants to remind that generation. You need to hold on to God. You need to hold fast to God. Cling to him. Don't let go of your shield. Don't drop your shield. And Joshua 23 and verse number 1, and it came about after many days when the Lord had given rest to Israel from all the enemies on every side, and Joshua was old, advanced in years, that Joshua called for all Israel, for their elders and their heads and their judges and their officers, and said to them, I am old, advanced in years, and you have seen, you've seen all that the Lord your God has done to all these nations because of you, for the Lord your God is he who has been fighting for you. You think he was thinking about that moment when the sun stood still, when the moon stopped as well? See, I've appointed to you these nations which remain as an inheritance for your tribes, with all the nations which I have cut off from the Jordan, even to the great sea toward the setting of the sun. The Lord your God, he will thrust them out from he will thrust them out from before you and drive them from before you, and you will possess their land, just as the Lord your God promised you. I love what he says next. Be very firm. Be very firm, then, 
to keep and do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses. Be firm, stand, so that you may not turn aside from it to the right hand or to the left, so that you will not associate with these nations, these which remain among you, or mention the name of their gods, or make anyone swear by them or serve them or bow down to them. What was the problem for the nation of Israel most of the time? That warning that he had given them. You don't drop your shield. You refuse to follow these nations. You hold fast to your faith in the true and living God. He's warning them. And verse 8, but you are, and I love this, he says, be very firm. Now he says, but you are to cling to the Lord your God. Don't let go. Cling to the Lord your God as you have done to this day. That was good that they were doing that. The challenge was how long were they going to be able to continue to do that? We see a whole other generation by the time we get to the book of Judges where they're not clinging to the Lord. In fact, what we see here, he says in verse number 9, For the Lord has driven out great and strong nations from before you. And as for you, no man has stood before you to this day. God was working. He was providing and protecting them all along the way. One of your men puts to flight a thousand, for the Lord your God is he who fights for you just as he promised you. So take diligent heed to yourselves to love the Lord your God. You want to hold on to your shield of faith? Be very firm. Cling to God. Love God. Remember what God has done for you. For if you ever go back, listen to this. Remember he said, cling to the Lord your God in verse 8. Now in verse 12 he says, for if you ever go back and cling to the rest of these nations, these which remain among you and intermarry with them so that you associate with them and they with you, know with certainty that the Lord your God will not continue to drive these nations out from before you, but they will be a snare and a trap to you and and a whip on your sides and thorns in your eyes until you perish from off this good land which the Lord your God has given you. All of that sounds terrible because it is terrible. And yet many of them, that's that's where they would eventually end up. Cling to your God. Hold very firm. Be very firm. Love the Lord your God. You know, you think about men like Joshua, it seems so hard to think that we could actually follow in their footsteps to have that kind of, maybe to have that kind of faith. You ever feel that way? Look at some of these great men, a mighty warrior like Joshua, leading a nation. I'm not going to lead a nation. Going out to battles, I'm not going out to physical battles. Can, Can I really do what Joshua did? Can you really do that as well? The answer is yes. You know, even though he was concerned about the nation, and he was concerned about conquering these lands, there were some other people very close to him that he was concerned about as well. You know what I'm talking about? His family. That's where Joshua 24 comes in. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We're going to hold our shield of faith no matter what. I'm going to do this for my family. I think about Father's Day and what is so our vocabulary has changed in 2020 things that are essential and things that are not you know what's essential fathers we need fathers we need tender warriors men who are going to hold their shield of faith and not drop it because when we do it will create calamity catastrophe in fact you see that in joshua chapter 7 when you go back there And this is why Joshua is such a great man. You see others who saw this power of God, who crossed the chilly Jordan River, who experienced victory through God. And yet, they would lower their shield 
that spiritual shield of faith. They would lower their, their shield of faith and they would be consumed, and their families would be as well. In Joshua 7 and verse 1, But the sons of Israel acted unfaithfully in regard to the things under the ban. There was a standard that was set. There was authority that needed to be followed of what they could and could not take. For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, from the tribe of Judah, took some of the things under the ban. Therefore, the anger of the Lord burned against the sons of Israel. Joshua was going to take his family to the promised land. Achan's going to take his family to a valley of trouble. That's what you see at the end of Joshua chapter 7, to the point that his family, along with him, are stoned to death. He lowered his shield of faith. He didn't trust in God the way that he needed to. This is why this is so important. And as I think back to Ephesians chapter 6, as Paul is encouraging the saints, and certainly we're being encouraged by these words Remember that we're in a struggle. It's not against flesh and blood. And what the, what the evil one, what the devil would love for us to do is to lower our shield and to begin to compromise and to begin not to trust as fully in God. But Joshua helps us to see that it's possible. It's possible not only to pick up this shield, but to hold on to it the rest of our days. And this is so important for us because the alternative is not going to be good. I want to look at one example here and then we'll wrap it up of what happens when we do not hold on to that shield, that faith that we need to have in God. Will you turn over to 1 Samuel, please? We read about another mighty leader. We read about Saul, a man who looked the part, who was the part, who was the first king of Israel, a man who appeared to have great faith in God, but in the process of time, his life is going to spiral out of control. He's going to be appointed by God, and God is going to, to bless him. The Holy Spirit's going to come mightily upon him. And yet, what we're going to see here is that in the process of time, Samuel, or Saul, excuse me, he's going to lower his shield. He's not going to be faithful to God. And we see the result of what happens when one is not faithful to God. We, we have all these details in the first part of 1 Samuel. If you turn over to chapter 13, we see him uh, at, the, at the age of 30 years old who, uh, when he began to reign. And he would reign for 40 years or 42 years over Israel. And while he had a long reign, it was a slow, slow process of, of this downward spiral of, of Saul missing out on so many things God wanted him to have, certainly and it was because he just didn't have, he didn't have the proper faith. We find in 1 Samuel chapter 13 and, and verse number 8, this is going back or connecting back to a previous text in chapter 10 where Samuel had given him instructions of, of going to a destination and waiting seven days there. And it says in 1 Samuel 13 and verse 8, Now he waited seven days according to the appointed time set by Samuel, but Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and the people were scattering from him. So Saul said, Bring to me the burnt offering and the peace offerings. And he offered the burnt offering. As soon as he finished offering the burnt offering, behold, Samuel came and Saul went out to meet him and to greet him. But Samuel said, what have you done? And Saul said, well, because I saw that the people were scattering before me and that you did not come within the appointed days and that the Philistines were assembling at Michmash. Therefore, I said, now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal and I have not asked the favor of the Lord. So I forced myself and offered the burnt offering. Foolish man. That's what's going to be said. In verse 13, Samuel said to Saul, you have acted foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded you, for now the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. Why didn't you trust? I know you see the enemy gathering. But remember what God has already done. 
Why didn't you trust what I said? And this would become a pattern in the life of Saul over and over again. In chapter 15, look over in 1 Samuel chapter 15. In 1 Samuel chapter 15, it would get so bad that God would say something which is so sad. In 1 Samuel chapter 15 and verse number 10, then the word of the Lord came to Samuel saying, I have regret. Listen to what the Lord said. I have regret that I have made Saul king. For he has turned back from following me. See the problem there? He dropped his shield. He's turned back from following me and has not carried out my commands. And Samuel was distressed and cried out to the Lord all night. That's reason to cry out to God all night. The end for this man would not be good. And we know the rest of the story when you get to the end of 1 Samuel. You get to the end of 1 Samuel, we know that, we know that he would be shot by the archers. Those arrows would come and they would pierce him. But way before those physical arrows ever pierced him, someone else had been shooting arrows at him, the evil one, and slowly weakening where he was and his faith in God. And we read in First Chronicles chapter 10, the death of Saul and some details afterwards. In First Chronicles chapter 10 and verse 13 and 14, so Saul died for his trespass, which he committed against the Lord, because of the word of the Lord, which he did not keep. And also because he asked counsel of a medium, make an inquiry of it, and did not inquire of the Lord. Therefore he killed him and turned the kingdom to David, the son of Jesse. Saul would cry out towards the end to God. It was almost like this last kind of resort. When you read in other passages where he cried out, but God didn't answer him. It was, it was shallow, it was, it was superficial in nature. There never appeared to be this humbling by, by Saul. And as a result, his end would be tragic. He let his shield down, and he never really picked it back up. There's so many more examples that we could talk about. So I want to conclude, or I need to conclude, I guess I should say, with, with us. Think about what you've been reading in the book of Ephesians. Think about what we're going through right here and right now. We're going through some challenging days, some interesting days, to say the least. And yet we're reminded by the Holy Spirit, take up your shield of faith. Have you taken up your shield of faith? I know you have, but are you holding on tightly to it? We do have an enemy, brothers and sisters. You do know that, right? And we are in a battle. You do remember that, right? You do remember the one that we used to walk according, as Paul said in chapter 2 and verse number 2, you used to walk according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air of the spirit is now working in the sons of disobedience. There is an evil one coming after us and he is trying to defeat you. He's trying to destroy me and he's trying to destroy you. But we get to make a decision every day on whether or not we're going to take up the full armor of God. You got to take it up and you got to leave it on. We can do this. We can resist. And you see, what he wants us to do, he doesn't want us to remember where we sit. He doesn't want us to walk in love and to be imitators of God. 
He doesn't want us to maintain the unity that we have through the Spirit or to be kind to one another and forgiving and compassionate and long-suffering. He doesn't want us as fathers to fulfill those words at the first part of Ephesians chapter 6. He doesn't want our children to be obedient. He wants to destroy our homes. And sadly, sometimes he does. But we have to make a personal decision every day to take up the shield of faith. You want to stand firm? Trust in the power of God. Remember the power of your God. You want to stand firm? Take up the full armor of God. You want to stand firm? Pray in the way that Paul says in verse 18. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. And pray on my behalf. That's what we need more than ever. That's how we'll be able to resist, to stand, to struggle, and to still be victorious. Stand firm against the evil one. If your shield of faith is slowly, you're slowly losing grip on it, tighten it back up right now because we need you. We need one another. We're in a battle. It's a struggle, but it's one we are victorious in as long as we trust in our God. If you have not picked up your shield of faith, if you have not obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ, will you please study with us? Will you please allow us to share with you the good news of Jesus? We'd love to do that. And if you have, stand firm and resist him. Let's stand. I think, yes, we can stand. Okay, yeah. (laughs) Let's stand and let's sing.